You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast presented by Midco Sports. Do not miss Midco Sports coverage of UND Athletics this fall featuring live football, volleyball, soccer, and hockey broadcasts, plus original shows like Day by Day, Through These Doors, and all the relevant social media updates and info that make you a better fan. That's Midco Sports. This is how we do sports. And this is the Built Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. We are taping this on a Wednesday morning, September the 7th. Alex Heinert, Bill Shaves with you. We are in it, Bill. Things are happening. We are full on in fall sports mode with multiple competitions taking place now. Does it feel like we're getting into the groove of a new semester now that we're a couple weeks in? Yeah, you know, and good morning, Alex, for sure. Um, As we record this on a Wednesday morning, uh, yeah, it does. And I think once you get into football game week and we've got home volleyball coming, obviously we've had some soccer matches and we had to cross country over the weekend. Um, But now when you have all your teams kind of competing at home, it, it feels like now you're just, you know, you're spinning plates at this stage of the game. <laughs> it's a great visual image of you with plates on sticks on your feet and things like that, trying to keep it all going. But that's the nature of this, right? I mean, this is what you and this staff do every year. And it only gets busier, you know, once hockey starts in October. It just ramps up a notch here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, if you look through a specific sports lens, you might say, you know, why are you doing, you know, uh, a volleyball match, you know, you know, near a football game. And, you know, we try, we look at it, you know, uh, the, you know, uh, the entirety of our uh, sports schedule. And sometimes that's just when it fits based on when you can get teams to come here and play. And, you know, we try to do our best to uh, have folks be able to go to all um, events, but sometimes we're going to have a few overlaps and that's just kind of what the nature of the beast. Yeah. Well, that will be the case this weekend. We'll get to the goings on around UND athletics, including a little update on potato bowl and an update on the UND classic for volleyball and everything else going on. Let's start though with what just took place. And it was a busy week across UND athletics, but certainly a lot of eyes focused last Saturday on Memorial stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, and a really good showing for Bubba Schweigert and this football team tied at seven with the Cornhuskers at the half tied at 17 late in that third quarter. The final score didn't really indicate how close that game was. Just talk me through your impressions of that opening day atmosphere, what it was like to be down there and how you saw this team really shot against the Big Ten opponents. Yeah, you know, I, I think anytime you go into an, an FBS game as an FCS school, you know, a lot of things have to go your way. And uh, certainly when you're playing a power five school, um, you know, they just... Uh, you know, they, their, their uh, length in, in certain positions, uh, you know, is uh, incredibly athletic. And uh, we saw that, um, you know, up and down their roster. But, yeah, I thought our game plan was sound. I thought, you know, we played, you know, tremendous in front of 86,000 plus. And uh, what a great showing of uh, UND fans as well. We had uh, an alumni event on Friday night, another one on Saturday morning. And, you know, there was just a lot of green everywhere. It was awesome. It really was. So, uh, you know, I think in talking to a lot of our fans too, Alex, they really, really like the idea of playing, uh, you know, an FBS opponent, especially, you know, geographically in the Midwest footprint and uh, as best as we can, you know, we we're, we're, we're trying to do that next year. We'll be a little bit of an outlier as we go to Boise state, 
But then after that, in 24, we've got Iowa State and uh, 25, we've got Kansas State. Um, and so, you know, that those are just really great trips for our fans. And so I know they soaked it up. You know, we did the whole tailgating thing um, the prior to the game. And, you know, I, you know, the creativity of people, let's just say, uh, you know, getting into a lot that maybe uh, visitors are normally not in. Um, and then seeing a lot of green uh, was awesome. So uh, it was it was great. It really, really was. And so uh, and the team team, I thought, did a good job. You know, we, of course, we wanted more. I mean, you get to 17, 17, you want to win the game. Chances were there, of course, it's just a matter. Of, and this is kind of what we've seen in recent seasons against Power 5 schools or FBS schools in general. You kind of make it through those first three quarters. We saw this last year against Utah State. It was kind of the case a couple of years ago against Utah, against Washington from the Pac-12. They've been close and just not quite able to get over the hump over that final quarter. 38-17 was the final. But so, yeah, like you said, a ton of positives to take away. I mean, the, the rushing game was great against the Big Ten defense. Isaiah Smith over 100 yards on the ground. Defensively, you could see them getting after the quarterback. Ben McNabo had a couple of sacks and forced a fumble. And, you know, they they did, I think, a lot of the things you would like to see just in a opener in general, let alone an opener against a Power 5 school. That's going to bode well, it looks like, for this team moving forward and also too it didn't feel like they had the big injury you know they, they we saw South Dakota State go to Iowa and lose some of their top guys over the course of that game this this UND group is going to be banged up after a physical game but you didn't see someone go down who's a key player who's going to be out for the season those sorts of things so a lot of positives to take away on every level for Bubba Schweigert and company yeah, you know, I think uh, maybe the one uh, that we're still assessing to some degree is Sammy Fort. So we'll see what ends up happening with him to some oh, good, degree. That's true. Good point. But, um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to uh, transpire there. So uh, more to come with him at this stage of the game. But correct. Um, I think generally speaking, you know, such a physical game as we know. Um, and we know the Valley is going to be incredibly physical. We're going to see it this week with Northern Iowa as the Valley starts with uh, with. Um, play here and we know how physical it is uh but you know i i thought our guys you know again not only just held up well you know they dictated some things and that was incredibly important and uh could could for sure bode well for us um you know but uh this becomes you know a huge game at home they're all huge uh, but you know certainly you want to protect uh you know home court if you will and uh and and hopefully uh, we've been pretty good at the Alara center so if we could uh find a way to uh to play well you know it, it could set up for us to then you know um you know be in the mix moving forward yeah if, by the way, you missed this game this Saturday in Lincoln, you mentioned the opponents coming up. Nebraska is on the schedule in 2026 again. So that's just right around the corner after the Iowa State-Kansas State series in a couple of years. Uh, so exciting. So a chance to come back if you missed out. Be a part of that atmosphere again in a couple of seasons. Potato Bowl, as you said, Northern Iowa comes to town. Very unique that you've got a Valley opponent in the second week of the season. Talk me through how the schedule played out, Bill. Why you and I is going to be coming to town September the 10th versus later in the month like you'd normally yeah, see. Yeah, so when we were originally scheduling a non-conference game, um, we had an open opening at that point in time. Um, on that second week, of course, it's a kind of a non-conference week, but we could not get a, a non-conference opponent in that week, so we traded uh, in a sense. Uh, and so now that's turned into the Abilene Christian week in a sense. And so, so Northern Iowa, of course, would have been later in the season, but we 
we saw there was a hole in their schedule at that point in time too. And I, literally this is about four years ago. And so, uh, yeah. um, you know, we went and said, Hey, would you be willing to, to, to slide into that week two? And then, um, and then that opened up an opportunity for us later in the season for a non-conference game. So normally I, I would say normally it, you would have like the Abilene Christian week this week and then Northern Iowa later, but the way that it all, uh, worked out from a scheduling standpoint. That's the reason why it occurred this way. Yeah. Some people might look at that and see it as a disadvantage that you're playing such a big game, an important game in conference early. How do you see it though? You know, I'm looking around the country. It seems like there's, there's conference games right out of the chute to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask Nebraska who played Northwestern in week one in the big Ten. This is becoming more common. Yeah, yes, I, I think I so. I, I think it's a jigsaw puzzle. And so you're just trying to make the pieces fit. And, um, you know, I don't know, Alex, I, I think you might say UNI and UND would say, hey, we're kind of maybe the healthiest we're going to be during the year. Maybe it's great to play a conference game right now. I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. But, you know, the other thing that's kind of interesting, too, and, and again, um, you know, college is, is uh, in, in high schools, the same thing. You, you practice, 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 then you play your games and whatever's on the schedule, you play. And that's a good way to look at it. I, I think this is. As you said, there are a lot of positives to having a big opponent come in early like this. You know, you don't have much margin for error. You have to be sharp right away. You, you came off a performance where you were pretty sharp and you can build off that now moving into week two versus playing a non-scholarship, you know, like we've seen with Drake over the years where sometimes you're not quite clicking because you sort of feel like we can go maybe a little less than the standard and still be successful. That won't be the case this weekend. Well, the other thing that's probably good about it to some degree as well. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about this. Uh, and I probably need to talk to Bubba or Danny at some stage of the game or Brett, uh, you know, maybe you're not showing everything, uh, you know, in these, those weeks when you're, you know, but here you're going to, you're going, you're going right away. And in some ways I think that's good because everything is kind of at your disposal as far as what you want to do, because anytime we're playing a Valley team, it's a playoff game. Yeah, big one. You and I is picked to finish fifth in the Valley. They're coming off, I think, a disappointing showing for them at Air Force. They were down 48-3 in that game and gave up almost 600 yards of of rushing and over uh, nearly 700 of total offense. But this is still a really good U and I team. I mean, it, there's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think if you're going to go to Air Force, the uh, of course the one thing you can't do is get behind. And you're, it's tough sledding at that stage of the game. And, and, and again, they're just going to run, 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 run. And then they're going to suck you in and go over the top. And uh, when they do that, you know, it's just, it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, and I think, you know, right out of the gate, they just got behind. And uh, I, you know, again, we're going to see, you know, a historically, um, you know, excellent FCS program coming to the Alara Center for the first time since 1976. Yeah, I was just going to say, first time in a long time. Uh, that A lot of 76s. That was the last time UND played a Big Ten opponent, I believe, as well. It was 1976. So a lot of hearkening back. To, it was the, the bicentennial, years. Alex. <laughs> well, ironically, 10 years later, in 1986, that was the last time UND lost a home opener. They've won 35 straight. So that streak is on the line this weekend. The football game, of course, kind of the crown jewel of what is going to be a very busy 
potato bowl weekends with the french fry feed coming back which is exciting the parade coming up on saturday the und classic as well volleyball taking place in town this weekend including thursday night and saturday afternoon just a ton of great stuff going on around the city of grand forks and the university building. yeah it's a it's a it's an awesome community uh weekend for sure and uh if we can always wrap our uh, athletic events around it it just makes for just uh an awesome weekend and from what i'm gathering i think the weather's going to be really really uh top notch so excited about that it's going to be perfect you love love grand forks in the fall is just the best and this weekend is going to be full so if you if you're a fan of the athletics department if you're a fan of life and fun and joy get out and enjoy what's going to be again a great a great weekend all across the board the football game is at three o'clock. We should mention that game's not on Midco Sports. This is a rare occasion where the Missouri Valley Football Conference dips in and they select a game of the week and that essentially blocks out all the local entities and supersedes any sort of television rights deal. So if you do not make it to the Alara Center on Saturday at three, you have to find the game on ESPN three is what it'll be on this weekend, not on Midco. It's the only time it's going to happen this year that we won't have a home game live, uh, which is a bummer. And it stinks that it's the first one of the year and it's such a big game and it's potato bowl, but we have no say. It is the Valley saying, this is what we're doing. And ESPN will come in and take that. So a bit of a bummer for us, but at least people will still be able to find it over the air. It is good reminder though. I appreciate you bringing that up and you're right. Um, I, every program is going to go through this for sure. And so we just happen to be the first one out of the gate this year uh, with this occurring to us but uh obviously uh with our partnership with midco uh, you know at, at this stage of the game too the, the i guess the um maybe the flip side of that is that midco you have on your radar screen to be doing some road games and so that's that's exciting for us we will make up for it as as the year goes on we'll be going to southern illinois actually that'll be our first broadcast at southern illinois will be our first live broadcast this year on the 24th of september we'll also be on the road at youngstown at the beginning of october and on the road at indiana state and ndsu which we've done in recent seasons but we'll have those road games that will be our broadcasts our productions not just feeds from a distance our people calling those games our graphics all those good things so that's so it's a bummer about you and i Nothing we could do, unfortunately, about it. I can say we will be broadcasting volleyball on Thursday night as we transition. Jesse Tupac and company hosting the UND Classic Montana State in town, along with Fordham. This typically is is a you know a multi-team deal where you're playing three games and three different opponents over three days. There were some scheduling quirks and and that extra team just never got added in the end. Bill, talk us through sort of the how that all worked out this season. Yeah, you know, um, it maybe had a little bit to do with the coaching transition to some degree, but um, we just, uh, it's unfortunately, we lost a, a team late um, and just couldn't get a, sec- a a fourth one in. And so, you know, we'll, we'll each each uh, school will play uh, each other. And for us, we've got a Thursday, Saturday situation so that Montana State can come in first. They can leave on Friday, which is good for them. And then Fordham can come in a little bit later, play the Friday, Saturday, and then obviously they'll depart on Sunday. So the end of the day, you know, again, uh, a lot of times uh, those things can occur, but it's, it's, it's great for our team to be able to play at the Betty during the non-conference portion, just to kind of get the feel right of, of a match prior to getting into summit league play. Volleyball has been on the road as often is the case. Um, A tournament in Missoula where they picked up a win over UT Arlington. A tournament in Kalamazoo where they beat Indiana State. So two and four early in the season. They'll be back on the road 
next week at Green Bay for a couple of matches there. And, and, and Summit League play doesn't start till the end of the month. So a few more road trips to go. But yeah, like you said, great opportunity for a first year coach and a new staff and really a, a whole new team, a number of new girls that are playing key roles early along with some returners as well. But good for them to get in to that atmosphere, see what it's like, get the feel because you'll need that comfort level once Summit League play starts at the end of September. 100%. Um, you know, obviously, uh, picking up that second win uh, over the weekend was, was huge for us. Uh, and so, um, you know, getting some success for this uh, group is, is, is important. And so, uh, but also being able to sleep in your own beds and, and play in your home facility uh, is exciting. So, uh, so with all of that, um, we're, uh, you know, we've got those three matches and again, uh, um, should be an exciting weekend. Yeah. What has Jesse told you about how things have been going so far? What have you heard from the coaching staff and having this new venture as they, they get started? Yeah, good. Um, I, you know, I think probably what he has said to me, you know, they're just learning a lot. I, I think there's just really learning how he wants them to play. And it's, it, it, it doesn't, uh, you can, you can try to get as many reps in, in the, in the practice, uh, as you want, but, but it really, you need the lights on. And I think these these matches have helped tremendously because, I, you know, even after I, I would text him after one of the matches, I think in, in, in Missoula, and he just said, you know, wow, we learned a lot about the, ourselves in this one and, and, and we can correct some things right away. Now, it's always interesting during tournaments. It's a quick turnaround. Right. So you've yeah. got to make some corrections and go. Um, so I think the pace will will maybe sort of normalize, if you will, after these first four weekends of non-conference play, but certainly getting, knowing the, the kind of year we had last year, um, getting a couple of W's early on was huge for us. And, and now we can build on that. Yeah, and that's the hope. And two good teams coming in. Montana State's a top five team in the Big Sky. Typically, is one of the better teams in that conference. So a good test coming up Thursday, and then Fordham as well on Saturday at one o'clock. Again, if you if you can hustle. One o'clock volleyball. You can still make your way over to the Alaris Center to catch most of the first quarter, at least if you are one of those folks that wants to do everything. But best of luck to Jesse Tupac and company. Again, two big games this weekend on the road at Green Bay the next weekend. And then, yeah, Summit League play starts on the road before coming back home at the end of September. Women's soccer, meanwhile, speaking of being on the road, they had a 10-day road trip. They were out of Grand Forks for 10 days to northern Colorado, to Wyoming, and then down to Omaha to play Creighton before returning home to take on Minnesota this past Sunday. Boy, they've logged a lot of miles, but this is a team that's had some success and tied Wyoming yep. during the course of that stretch. Played with Minnesota. You know, it was a 3-1 defeat against a good Golden Gophers team this weekend, but they've scored at almost every match they've played in this season. They've certainly picked up by like kind of the same thing like you mentioned with volleyball yep. like learning more about themselves as this season has gone on and making some strides in the right direction yeah if you look at the starting 11 um I, and i think chris has said this you know we do have uh you know athletes that have uh um miles on the odometer so to speak but 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 also they are still younger too so it's it there's a there's a trade-off there and and so um I, I think, uh, you know, playing a, a Big Ten opponent uh, will help us for sure. Um, and all gearing up towards, you know, Summit League play. And so, you know, I, I just never, ever want to discount any match we're playing. But but truly, this non-conference is about getting us to a place where we feel really good going into the Summit League. 
Yeah, the, the uh, Minnesota what match was fun to watch this weekend. We got to do that match live, and you can sell. And there's some talented girls on this group. There's creativity. The free kick routine that they scored on late, that was beautiful. Beautiful chip over the top from Irene Jirasev agenda, and a little ball played across. And and you mentioned a freshman Sarah McCracken is there to score her first goal. And this is a this is a big Minnesota team that had eight shutouts last year in non-conference play. Like they shut down everybody. So just to get one on the board in that type of a manner, you could see how much it lifted the girls for the rest of that match. And you'd hope that will carry over now as they go back on the road to Cheney against Eastern Washington this week and then at Portland State as well, a little Pacific Northwest swing coming yep. up. But it's, just, it's fun. It's, it's a fun, fun group to watch. Yeah, and with our um, you know renewed partnership with Midco, we really appreciate you uh, bringing um, that match live uh, on, 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 on your um, – um, Midco channels. And, uh, I thought, you know, the crowd was awesome. It was a beautiful oh, day crowd. and it was just, mm-hmm. just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And, you know, the one thing again, you have with soccer, the one thing soccer has over a lot of other sports, you're in for two hours and that's it. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we love it so much. Busy people, you know, Hey, this is a two hour commitment. We're not going to have overtime. If we're tied, we're tied and we leave. It's, it's fun. And it is you couldn't have asked for a better day to be at Bronson. I mean, low 70s, beautiful sunshine. You know, the grass is green, nice breeze blowing in. The dogs were there. It was <laughs> bring your talk to the game. You, you got to love you got to love a little uh, a little dog action as you're watching the match. But it, it was it was a ton of fun. And we're excited. We'll have four more games live on Midco and the rest. There are the other home games will be on Midco Sports Plus. So That's excited great. to have that. Uh, that was our first live soccer broadcast at Bronson Field. We finally got fiber over there to that facility and were able to make it work. And uh, there were some question marks of where do we put the cameras? How do we set this up? There's no press box. There's no, but it looked really good. I was really happy with how things turned out. And we, again, we hope if you got to watch uh, that you enjoyed the coverage and that you'll you'll keep posted over the course of the Summit League season when we get well, going. Well, as, as part of all the things and maybe one of the pods we'll talk about and maybe not this one, but we'll talk about kind of the facilities and what we're, what we're doing. But those are mm-hmm. some of the things we've got to do at Bronson. I mean, we've got a, some infrastructural things that we have to continue to, to work on over there. But the setting... The setting gives you a chance for sure. Yeah. So, but you know, it's it's almost kind of like you know painting, right? On, on a, um, it, it, it just it, we we have the ability there. Now we have to just keep adding uh, adding pieces. Yeah, it's not quite a blank canvas, but it, it kind of is. It really. is. You've got that green space, and it's open. It's a field. It's a soccer pitch with, um, you know, obviously, I think the black fence makes it nice uh, for sure. Um, we we just got some things we got to continue to work on. Yeah. One of the things that Minnesota head coach Aaron Chastain mentioned to me in our pre-match conversation was, where are you going to do this game from? How are you How are you broadcasting this? And it was just like, oh, no, we got we have a plan. But it is it was funny to sort of just her perception, because that was the first time they had come to Grand Forks. And she's like, how what are you going to how are you going to do this? Where are you going to put your cameras? Where are you going to announce it from? And and, you, you know, it worked out great. She's well, she's well aware that the great ones adjust, right? The great the great ones adjust. If she listens to this podcast, she would know that. That she's got <laughs> she's got a hundred and fifteen other chances to listen as well. <laughs> she can catch up. I know everybody out there fe- loves to re-listen the Bill Chaves podcast. It's a good re-listen. If you want to go back through the archives. That's right. You can see <laughs> how wrong I've been most of the time. <laughs> Oh, how wrong how wrong we've been on some of these predictions. We are going to get some predictions coming up later, by the way, so we'll be able to jot those down, maybe some Super Bowl picks on the way on the B side. Before we get there, though, really quick, uh, as we mentioned, women's soccer on the road, a couple of big road trips, first to the Pacific Northwest and then to the South. Cross country, 
kind of staying around this area. They had the Ron Penn Classic in Grand Forks at Ray Richards on Friday. Uh, that'll be the site again of the Summit League Cross Country Championships at the end of October. Uh, have you had a chance to kind of chat? I mean, obviously, both, both the men and women finishing seconds. Some good performances, maybe not quite the, the top tier performances that you're looking for, but very early in the season, first meet of the year. Have you had a chance to talk to Tom Scott and kind of get the idea of, of what he saw in that match? You know, I, I have not at this point. And uh, I know in talking with Eric Martinson, who oversees track and field for us and cross country, um, you know, what's interesting, Alex, it, it always depends upon where um, the individual is, I think, in their training, uh, heading in down the road. And so not every time will you have, you know, even sometimes you're all your top runners running at, at some stage. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're utilizing these few weekends here to, to kind of gather where we are, uh, but have not uh, been able to get uh, Tom on. But we, we probably at some stage, when we, when we talk about the facilities piece, we'll bring Eric on and we can shoot around his uh, sports that he oversees as well. Yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah, Tom Scott, by the way, that was somebody that we've not talked a lot about. He was a part of Jim Berenkamp's mm -hmm. you know, hiring of mm -hmm. an assistant staff, and he's sort of taken over the distance side of things. Tell us a bit about Tom and his story. Yeah, so Tom was uh, with Jim at Queens, and so uh, he was fortunate um, you know, through the process to be able to bring just about his entire staff, but his wife, Molly, who also was uh, uh, a, a track coach as well, um, it, she joined the staff as well. And so uh, I know Tom was the last piece of the puzzle and uh, because he, he kind of literally batoned it off from Kyle Doporalski uh, and he was a late hire uh, and then came right in and started with indoors. So excited to have him and in that whole group, um, I pretty, um, I'll say this, pretty low key, um, pretty industrious. They put their head down and they're grinding right now. So it's 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 fun to watch them. Uh, you know, try to uh, look at this program and try to elevate it uh, for for the years to come. Yeah, there are a lot of strong individuals. If you look at some of the names, like Patrick Akemboy and Luke Labatt, and guys that have finished high up on the men's side, and same thing on the women's side as well. There are some really good young runners that had success last season, both on the cross country course, but also in track. We saw some of the, the best outdoor distance runners in the Summit League come from this program. So the future is bright. Just a matter of building that depth and gearing up as the September months and meets come on. They'll be in Again, in the area, and this Friday, they'll go down to Moorhead for the Dragon the Dragon Classic, the Dragon Invite, and, and MSU Moorhead on Friday. And then Roy Griak is coming up in a couple of weeks in Minnesota. That's a huge meet in the Twin Cities on the 23rd. So some opportunities to continue building. And again, really, there are not that many meets. When you look at the cross-country schedule, it's easy to forget sometimes when you're not in it. They really only have about four meets, and then it's the conference championships. So not a ton of opportunities to go out there and race. But it's all building, right? You're always building yep. towards that big meet, and that's what this team is doing this Well, season. and the other thing that I, I, I never know, I mean, true, is who's feeling what physically, right, at a certain mm -hmm. time. And so if someone ever is coming off injury, you know, you may or may not be um, racing on a certain one. And I, it just, you know, they're, they're always looking ahead, right, circling the date as to when, uh, you know, the championships are and this year in Grand Forks. So uh, um, should be uh, should be a lot of fun in that late weekend in October. Yeah, October 29th. That's when you want to peak. Again, October 29th, everything happening that day. Vegas hockey game, home football game against Abilene Christian, Summit League Cross Country Championships. I'm sure there are other things that I'm not thinking of, but we got some time. That's like, that's like a month and a half away. We'll 
future bill. We'll worry about that. When that's that that's the uh, that's the scheduling piece, right? That we talk about. That you just some <laughs> some things you just can't control, and uh, you know they. they you know, when we were going to have the cross country championships, well, we literally didn't know that until we got into the summit league. And if you really think about it, right. So it was like between the last three or four years. So we didn't know that. And then we had the change in, uh, in our non-conference game in football. And then, you know, then we dialed in the hockey piece after COVID was occurring and they all just boom, October 29. And so, you know what divide and conquer. That's what we'll do. So as a staff, we're just going to, we just, you know, pause and just take a deep breath and we do what we do moving forward. And we make sure that it's all covered and it'll be a lot of uh, activity. It'll be awesome. Not for the first time, will your staff be in different places at once and they will be just fine. It'll be good. That's right. Not concerns. No, no, uh, it, it'll be, it'll be great. The, the only thing I, I guess, if you're going to wish for anything that day is, is just good weather, right? Uh, on the, uh, on the cross country piece that that's one of those, it's, you know, it's kind of like running a golf tournament. Now, you know, you can do all the things correct, but if mother nature doesn't want to cooperate, that can make it difficult. Yeah. That can be a little hit or miss by that time of year. Um, there have been, I've been to some cross country regional meets in early November, mostly in South Dakota. And you know, you're wearing a lot of layers and you feel bad for those kids that are trying to make it work as the snow is coming down. But that's the nature of this sport. You run in the hot heat in the, in the late summer and yep. you run into some blustery days in the late fall. That's what these kids are hardy though. These cross country runners, doggone it. They're going to go do it. That's it. They'll be just fine. Yep. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, we mentioned hockey just briefly. I got the email the other day about, you know, NCHC media days coming up in two weeks. We got the preseason poll to fill out all those sorts of things. It is not really that far away. October 1st, the exhibition against Manitoba is right around the corner. The team just this past week was able to start practicing, I believe, four hours a week, correct? NCAA mandate, four hour max with coaches on or off the ice. We're getting there, Bill. And, and this is that's kind of a new um, the new rule is that the teams can start to practice earlier now correct that you can have more time with your coach earlier because it used to be a week before the game that's when you could actually start practicing which was always crazy to me that seems silly do you think just common sense finally prevailed that they decided to scoot it back a little bit what was the biggest reason well what was the reason why it was so late in the first place yeah i think we just were so rigid on calendars for so long that we felt like you know how could you just have someone come and all of a sudden start practicing well you started really thinking about it and you're going, so you want to avoid the team being with the coaches. I mean, that seems odd to me. I mean, it seems like eh, you hired the coaches to be with the team. And so, and then even, you know, when you're talking about things in the summer, let's just say with the basketballs and football, they're here. You should be with your coaches to some degree. What a great time to bond, right? I mean, so I think we were transitioning from a mentality of you actually put your equipment away after the season to no, there's just different parts of the season. And Bubba has said that, right? It's just, this is now the part of the season we're in. Now this is the part of the year we're in. This is the part of the year we're in. And so it never ends. It's just, where are you? And, you know, sometimes you know, you could be more in, I'll call it weight room phase if, if it's, uh, you know, any sport, or you could be then back in uh, summer mode and, and then, and then you could be into fall camp. And so, yeah, I just think it made sense. Our students are here. 
I mean, and, and you're going to be playing a game, you should have some connectivity with the coaches. So I just think we, we thought differently about it, and which is good. Common sense, sometimes. Common sense still wins out at times. So the, the fact that they will be on the ice now more frequently. The weight room, by the way. Now, the ice is on now at the Ralph. You've seen the pictures yep. on social media. Things yep. have been filled in. They're ready to go. The weight room situation still feels there. like it's in flux just a little bit, but still, get, yeah, in the yeah, process. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, there's parts of it that's uh, usable at this point in time. Parts that are still working on. Um, but, uh, I, you know, Jody has done a fantastic job just kind of shepherding that that project and you know like a lot of other um projects that that's been impacted by uh some labor shortages um not so much the actual i'll call it equipment or any of that type of stuff it's been more labor related if you will i think the concept of you know bidding something it was with i i'll have a crew of eight and instead i have a crew of four well just you know, by, by that alone, it's going to take twice as long, whatever it is. And then I can't do this next thing until, you know, say the flooring's done. And so that's what's kind of held things up. Do you get a sense when that project will be complete? Yeah. You know, in fact, I meet with Jody this afternoon and I'll get an update uh, today, but um, I think we're in any day now mode. I mean, truly like it, it mm. could be I'll call it this week or next week, but I think we're kind of getting that close at this stage. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. Yep. I loved Brad Schlossman's update on the hockey team. He put a great article out yesterday with a lot of news and notes. And he mentioned the Ironman competition, which the team always does to test strength and endurance. And he mentioned how Mark Pullman, <laughs> Brad Berry's official quote was, Mark's making it work, even though everything's not in the same place or where it usually is. They're just adjusting. Again, a common theme for this podcast, just adjusting, making it work, flexibility, malleability. That's, that's what we got to do sometimes. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, as long as you know, ahead of time, you know, you can figure it out and, yeah. uh, that's what's happening right now, but, uh, it'd be awesome once it gets done, but, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully sooner, um, at, at this stage of the game. But I, I think that the, the update more than anything was kind of just, just cruise, just, uh, there were, there were less than what we thought there was mm -hmm. going to be. Well, when it's all done, it, it's going to be phenomenal. It's be great. I've seen, I've seen the, you know, the midway stage a little bit ago, and you can tell what a difference that's going to make. Again, just another huge boost for our student athletes, and that not not that Mark Pullman needs more tools and bells and whistles at his discretion to be able to use. But again, for the hockey program to have this, for the women's soccer program to have this, for other programs as well. It's going to be a game changer once again. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a scenario where that po portion of the building really hadn't been touched in 20 years. And so that's a, and really what's happened for other programs is kind of the domino effect. And so what's happened is there were some awesome uh, pieces of equipment and things that were in that facility at this point in time that is now going to be uh, transitioned into other uh, parts, uh, whether it be over here at Hislop with Sports Med. Um, and so there's just a uh, really, again, complete domino effect, which is really uh, great for us. Yeah, you love that rising tide lifts all boats, right? That's, that's right. That's, that's right. again, through the, through the generosity of the Engelstad family to be able to make that project happen. So no congrats again to that crew and best of luck to the hockey team as they get started in full preseason polls will come out probably just after our next podcast, which will be in two weeks, but UND is going to be right there near the top. Let's just say that. I feel pretty confident in the preseason polling. Not that that matters, but this team is going to be really good again this year. So if you have not got season tickets or have gone through that process, do so now. Um, Manitoba, October the 1st, 6 o'clock, banner raising, a lot of good stuff coming up just a couple weeks. Yeah, it should away. be a fun year, uh, no doubt about it. Many more 
faces return than than last year. But you know, so, so the few that we did add, I think, are uh, certainly uh, come in with uh, tremendous credentials. So uh, always always difficult sometimes to transition uh, to a new school uh, or a new environment or or college hockey, whatever that might be. But I think uh, you know the team is certainly excited and uh, you know um, should be should be a lot of fun. I talked to Ethan Frisch the other day and. I saw him in the, in, in the uh, kind of uh, uh, passing by and, uh, you know, he said team team looks physically very good. So uh, so excited uh, about where um, this year's going to potentially uh, uh, have us go. Yeah, I would agree with that. Ethan, by the way, we're in a letter for the second straight year. Um, yeah. Captains were just announced the other day. Mark Sendin back as a multi-year captain, three years on the leadership group. Yep. That's impressive. That, that The fact that that had never happened before in – this program started in the 1940s that you'd never have anybody that's been wearing a letter for three years. Pretty cool. Again, the COVID, the extra year helps when you've got an extra year to do so, but a really worthy guy who's going to wear the C for this team this year, along with Gavin Haney, who's back in as, as an assistant captain, and then the addition of Judd Caulfield, who's going to wear a letter And this Reese year. Gaber. And, and along with Reese as well. Yep. So yeah, it, it'll be good. Um, it, it'll be good. I think it's a good group for sure. And uh, um, yeah, they're excited. They're ready to go. Well, we're excited to see him in action, uh, as well as the rest of the UND Athletics group that's going to be taking part in various competitions this weekend. Bill, anything else on your agenda from a UND or an NCAA perspective before we do a quick flip? I don't think so. I think let, let's go into flip mode. I think we've. Uh, I think that that's it's a busy weekend home. We got a lot of uh, programs on on obviously the road as well. So if you can come out support, we'd love to have you. We love to have the Alaris Center rocking this weekend. Um, you know, I you know our our guys played really, really well in front of, and I'll say uh, not a hostile 84,000, because I would say a couple thousand were our fans, but, but I, I would say certainly uh, an environment, an environment. And, uh, um, it, but if we can create an environment uh, and make it difficult for Northern Iowa, that would be helpful uh, because again, we've got a, uh, we got a historic FCS program coming to town uh, here on Saturday. Yeah, big potato bowl game Saturday, three o'clock at the Alara sitting in volleyball Thursday at seven and Saturday at one to the B side. A couple different things to touch on here in our final 10 minutes, probably start on the soccer side of things, because there was some breaking news when we woke up this morning that one of our rival clubs, not not Spurs or Liverpool, but Chelsea, North London, Chelsea, uh, firing Thomas Tuchel. A guy that won the Champions League like a year and a half ago. It's just amazing how how quickly the cycle in this sport, Bill, especially with that club, but in this sport in general, you do not have a long shelf life as a manager of one of these top programs. No, no. And I, I guess the uh, – I, I, who knows? The final straw, I guess, was their uh, loss in the Champions League uh, uh, yesterday. Well, now, supposedly they said this was already determined before that. Yeah, they lost – they lost one nothing to uh, Dynamo Zagreb, so not a big club, very small, little itty bitty minnow in the Champions League things. And Chelsea hasn't started the season great. I think they're they've lost a couple matches, drawn a couple, but new ownership group. It's an American owner who's coming in, uh, the owner of the Dodgers. They spent a lot of money in the summer. This is all from Antonio Conte. Conte won the handshake off a couple weeks ago in that Spurs Chelsea draw. And it's all, it's all been downhill for Thomas since then. Congratulations, Bill. Well, it's funny. I, I, um, when he went sprinting down, um, sprinting past Antonio, uh, when they scored their second goal, it was, 
seemed a little odd to me, but, uh, it, it, but <laughs> it, maybe it all makes sense now. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it's just, he's a good, he's a good manager. I mean, he's a, he'll, he'll be somewhere else at some point in time, because once you get into that mode, right, where you can manage those types of clubs. Yeah. It's either the manager ends up departing on his own terms, so to speak, or, you know, and they move on, but it's like, that's just kind of SOP over there. Yes. 100%. That club, by the way, not to go too deep into this, but I've got some Chelsea fans in my life. And it seems like that club is just bulletproof where you can make mistakes and make bad signings and hire bad managers and just, just throw it, throw it in the bin and move on to the next one. And they have so much money first with Roman Abramovich. And now certainly with this new American ownership group, they don't care. Like there just seems there's no, there's no consequences when you have that much money. That seems to be the lesson with Chelsea football club, that you can still be relevant and be a top four club every year, regardless of how many mistakes you make. Cause you can just buy another mistake or take another chance. It's just amazing. This is another example of that, that they're just going to restart. It's crazy. In the pod that I listened to, um, that, that talks about the finances of, of football uh, over in, in, in the world of soccer. The transfer window that just concluded was the, uh, the most money spent in a transfer window, close to $2 billion. And so the end of the day, um, you know, the, the, the race for talent and securing that talent is, is just amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's just amazing. In my I could be off on this. I want to say Chelsea spent about a tenth of that $2 billion. I think they spent $250-something million in this transfer window alone. Like just insane money that they're throwing around. And now they'll have someone new, potentially Graham Potter from Brighton, who started very well. Maybe you mentioned Mauricio Pochettino. That's always a possibility. Poch is always going to get his name thrown in. We will see what happens there. But yeah, that's a club I don't like. So good luck to them. Well, it's funny, Alex. <laughs> I, I, I find it interesting. The... Um, it's such an interesting game uh, in the sense that, yes, you can have all those players, but there are ways to play that game where you can get results that that maybe not always the most talented teams win, right? I mean, it's just sometimes it, you just have a unit that really clicks and knows what they're doing, and um, it's hard to score. You know, it's, it's, it's unlike basketball where if you're going to have a shot clock now, I mean, you can't hold the ball in basketball anymore. Usually talent wins out. Usually talent wins out. I mean, but, but in that sport, it's not, you know, not everyone's winning every week. And that, and as we know, in the premier league, you go to some of these, uh, some of these smaller venues, if you will. And it's, it's tough. It's tough to win there. I would agree. Yeah, there are some, there are some bear pits in that league for sure. And uh, yeah, Chelsea, Liverpool, a lot of these, a lot of these big clubs have sort of found out this year that it is not a guaranteed W when you go to some of those places. So we will see. Spurs still flying high, third in the league, still playing well. Champions League here during midweek, so they'll get started with their uh, European adventure coming up today, later today, I believe. Along yeah, with I play Marseille, and uh, you know, I, I love uh, Conte. He's not excited about the congested fixtures. Now he knows you're going to play. It's just how that sometimes play a Wednesday, Saturday versus Wednesday, Sunday, and it just it, it feels as if um, their schedule has probably not been awesome in that regard. It feels like it, you know, that 
they just have either had a, had a Saturday, Tuesday, or now you could argue they played Saturday to Wednesday. So they got a little bit of a break, but then you come right back at it Saturday going to Man City. So yeah, uh, good luck with that. Yeah, that, that seems good. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's difficult. The World Cup really screwed some things up. They really? really had to condense things. They started a little bit earlier. They're trying to cram more games in. Every coach has said this is concerning, but nothing you can do about it. I have to I have to throw this out there, and I, and I know this will take us to the end because it just will. <laughs> uh, but let's just stay this. We don't have to talk about the Red Side. We don't have to talk about any of them. No, was, you know we that wasn't that wasn't on my rundown. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, we don't have to talk about them. The uh, in Bobby Dahlbeck's in the minors, so there you go. Um, yeah, we saw that in May, April. Uh, so I thought that we jumped the shark this weekend in the Premier League. Oh, so for the first time, I guess, I guess I was sort of waiting for it, but first time we've had the Premier League come out and have to apologize that VAR was applied incorrectly, which is alarming if you think about it. I mean, and I, when we talk, we've talked video replay before on its most macro level. I, I think that's where we have to come back and say, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And then I think you start from there. And tennis is the easy one in out. Uh, on the line in that's uh, the easy one. Now you start getting into sports that have movement really hard, really hard. And I think we've lost our way. We have come, I mean, unbelievably lost our way. And in the, in the reality of it is what's our expectation too, because humans are actually the ones making a decision on VAR. So it's not technology. Technology is a tool, but humans are making the decision. And if we don't get to a place ever where the call on the, on the field pitch, whatever, ice stays, unless it's a hundred zero turnover, I, I don't. I, this is continually going to be a mess. Yeah, because it's it's just opinions. We we've talked about this: the subjectivity versus the objectivity of these calls. And you saw this in two different occasions. Um, certainly, the Chelsea game where it looked like, oh gosh, I can't, was it West Ham that had yeah, scored late, was. and it then was. it was disallowed, and they decided that there had been a foul in the buildup or whatever that you know, the goalkeeper was fouled, Mendy was fouled, all those things, and people just lost their minds. And then it kind of happened again the next day, like just. Not great. Arsenal. Yeah, and with the Arsenal match, with Martin Martinelli's goal that was chalked. Yeah, out. and yeah. For, for, for those of you that are not tracking, what's happening is, is the goal good or not? Okay, let's start there. So you start going, and then you go, how far back do I go back? And here's the deal, Alex, and reofficiate. Is that what we're doing? Like, like so, so, that, so the foul that disallowed the Arsenal goal, which would have been a difference maker anytime you score the first goal in a match and they ended up losing to man U. it was it was beyond back before midfield and it's like what what are we doing and and, and again it feels like we need to hit a reset again and say why are we doing this why are we doing this that pot i listened to with the spurs they have no no skin in the game on this one. In fact, 
was happy that Arsenal lost. <laughs> and we're actually, actually defending Arsenal, going, you know what? Not good. Not good for the sport. It just feels like you can't celebrate anymore anything because no. you don't really know what's going to happen in the moments after if they're going to go take a look and decide, yeah, especially in that case. Oh, there was a foul in the buildup that happens 25, 30 seconds before the goal was actually scored. Yeah, that's that's tough. Like, because like you said, now you're you're factoring in someone else's opinion and you're trying to persuade the person that can actually make the decision. You need to go back and look at this. And then the hard part about that is then as a referee, you're looking back and say, oh, I did miss, if there was a foul, oh, I did miss that call. Well, now I, I can't not go back and do what I should have done in the first place, but that erases the 30 seconds that happen after the fact. And, and then, well, yeah, what, what, what's the point? Why, we're losing, as you said, we're losing the point of the sport. We're, we're, we we're, we're reofficiating. It really, it, it, and really what happens is, and I think hockey's done a good job with the rules this year to some degree, is I think you need coaches involved in real time. And if you want to question something, you should be able to. But and then then you it, it, specifically, what are you questioning? And if you think it's absolutely should be re, re, returned, then you're you've got you're in the mix now. You're you're actually in it at this stage. But you're only as good as the technology you have in the venues that you're in. And then you're only as good as an actual human looking at it, <laughs> saying whether or not is it 5149 I'm turning it or 100 zero yeah well the idea the language behind video assistant referee clear was always, and obvious yeah clear and obvious this is this is in for those egregious errors like oh yes we I couldn't believe we missed this handball or this elbow to the face that happened off the ball because again there is just one referee on the field along with his two assistants that are covering this wide expanse and the idea of having an extra set of eyes and the ability to look back, like those things are are okay, but we've taken it to this weird extreme where it does feel like we're just revisiting, as you said, we're reofficiating. You're revisiting everything, and it's just not good. It's not it's not accomplishing the goal that it set out to accomplish, and it's just making even offside, which is sort of a binary decision, yes or no, but. What what be, like when you're drawing the lines on the pitch and when the ball was played and is there a toenail off or the part yep. of an elbow and I just hate that I just it's stop it what what's the what's the letter of the law versus yeah, what's you're the freeze framing law? something frame by frame by frame by frame and you know and and are you going in looking to overturn something is that what you're looking to do I, I don't know I I mean or are you looking to substantiate because I I do not have indisputable evidence it's not clear and obvious call stands that's it that, that's it but but now we're going even even our game at Nebraska I thought got uneven I, I mean in, in a sense of choppy you know our call non-call whatever you want to call it for a, a touchdown maybe was or wasn't and then we ended up scoring at the end of the half I, you know I, I it just it, the flow gets really um, broken up, and don't you know? In, in 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 basketball, you know, at the end of the game, I think there's a reliance on it. it, it, it I, I mean, we've got three officials on the floor. You know what? Let's go, let's go. <laughs> like, I, don't spend five minutes looking to see if it skimmed off this person's fingertip. 
yeah, when it goes out of bounds or yeah, yeah, those things, just make the call, make the call, stick to it, move on, keep the game going. I don't know. I, I agree with you. It just seems like it's become too much of a, a weird crutch in this thing that is just looming over all these sports that we love where that technology is in place and it just doesn't, yeah. never sits right. Never feels good. It doesn't feel good when you have to go to a review like no, that no, and it, things get overturned for the smallest of violations. It's just... And again, I don't know the numbers. Each sport would be its its own, but what's the percentage that you're quote unquote getting right? And what's the, you know, like what's the, what's that Delta that we're, we're spending so much time on overturning things that is it 2%, 3%, 4%. And is it, is it, is it because there's major egregious things that really need to be overturned? Can we get back to that box again? I forget, I forget who was it, the Marlin pitcher that, that lost the perfect game. You know, I mean, it was yeah. really clear <laughs> that it yeah. should have been out. I mean, I get yeah. it. Like, okay, fix that one. That's a, that's a hundred zero. <laughs> I think our, our VARs or the replay folks just need to relax more. I think they're just too on edge. They want to be too involved. Like, guys, just be a little more sedated. Just enjoy the game. And if you, I think that should be the threshold. If you're a fan on the couch and you're like, oh, my gosh, that was so awful. They need to go back and revisit this. Those are the ones you should be looking at, yeah. not the, oh, my gosh, I don't know. Sure, whatever. You know, I mean, that, I like the idea that, yeah, call on the field stands unless you have indisputable evidence to overturn 100 zero 100 zero not 51 49 <laughs> all right that's oh. what i got for you it, but but i'll tell you we got to a place finally where we had to apologize for var getting it wrong it's not great i, I mean say that out loud say that out loud <laughs> uh, we have to apologize because our video replay that you can actually do frame by frame actually shouldn't have been I know. It's, and then cost is, west ham two points i know i know it's terrible deep blue not not what you want sometimes let's just move away from all right who does liverpool to have people. today they play napoli so tough tough one okay. um i believe on the road so we'll see starting off their champions league campaign on the back of a scoreless draw against everton so could use a could use a little boost here midweek a lot of guys injured midfield is a mess but they'll be okay figure yeah. it out yeah, they're, 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 they'll be okay. All right. Well, hey, always good. All right. Good stuff, Bill. Hey, we got to go. Big week. Enjoy all the Potato Bowl festivities this week. Best of luck to our teams in action. Bill and I will be back with you in two weeks. Until then, he's Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Siner. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves.